0: Let's begin today's discussion.
1: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones.
0: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And I want to give a very warm welcome to Lauren Kennedy. Lauren is the founder and chief marketing nerd of Coastal Consulting, a consulting firm located on empowering B2B enterprise organizations to align marketing, sales, and account management to create an automated and personalized customer experience using HubSpot and Salesforce. As a HubSpot solutions partner agency, their team holds over 25 HubSpot certifications along with five Salesforce certifications. And Lauren is super passionate about creating efficiency with data and streamlining marketing and sales teams efforts to most effectively land the client. That's the end result we all want. Today, Lauren's gonna be sharing her advice on marketing automations and revenue operations. We'll learn what works from Lauren's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just missed the mark. Lauren, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks to be here. I, we, my agency, happen to be like all things HubSpot. We love HubSpot. It runs our business. It is all (laughs) things for our inbound marketing, uh, but we still don't use it to the level and the degree that your agency knows how to use it. And so I'm... Really excited to be talking to you today about, you know, how other agencies, how other businesses and mm-hmm. like ourselves are, might be missing out on some things, but can you start us off by kind of giving us an overview of how you got to where you are today? You're the chief marketing nerd and <laughs> in this whole world of inbound that a lot of people still don't really understand.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm a technical marketer. Um, I have a background in marketing operations, logistics, and event planning. Um, so, marketing automation was kind of born out of <clears throat> a weird combination of those three. <laughs> um, in my past, uh, I really got into marketing automation when I started sending pre-event emails for trade shows. So I was a trade show events manager, um, and I really caught the email marketing and marketing automation bug. And from there, I started learning everything I could about HubSpot and Salesforce and freelancing and working with so many different organizations across industries to really master the systems. Um, and from there. Earlier this year, I decided to officially go out on my own and start Coastal Consulting as kind of a boutique agency focused on HubSpot, Salesforce, and technical integration. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's your question.
0: (laughs) There you go. So what are some of the things, like, what are solutions HubSpot brings? Like, you know, people out there are like, HubSpot, why do I need a HubSpot? What is this thing? Can you give us kind of an insight of what is HubSpot and what makes it so cool?
1: Yeah, Um, HubSpot's definitely the number one, like leading marketing automation and inbound marketing platform. Um, Something that's really great about HubSpot is you can do uh, marketing sales, customer service, account management, um, your website, all of your marketing and really business operations within one platform. Um, uh, Competitors on the market can usually do one of those things and HubSpot really has a homegrown mentality of all of our features sit in this one hub of HubSpot. So you can log in and access all of that. Um, At Coastal Consulting, we use HubSpot for marketing sales and our website. Um, We don't have a big customer service functionality in an agency, so we do not use their ticketing system. However, they do have that and we use that for many clients. Um, But really the value prop is just having everything in one system giving you unified reporting, um, really good insights into who your customers are, where they came from, and how they're progressing with you and your company.
0: Awesome. And so what are some of the things when you're working with a client, they come to you and you're like, okay, we can help you improve your inbound. Yeah. What does that mean to them?
1: Whenever a client comes to us, they're usually hitting a point where they've been in HubSpot for a while and they just know they're not using it to their full potential. So HubSpot is such a powerful tool and it can go in so many different directions. But if you get um, up and running without someone who's an expert in the platform, like been there, done that, you really miss out on a lot of the activation pieces and you just get kind of stuck in the little things that you've picked up and you miss the big picture of HubSpot. So people come to us and say, we have... What we have is working. However, we know we're not doing the most that we can. And so, what my team comes in and does is just get deep into their HubSpot and do a full audit on what they're using, what they haven't touched, who their customers are, and looking into their data and doing that data analysis piece um, and presenting a roadmap for okay, here's where you're at. You're doing this well. You could improve here. And then, here's everything that we can add that really helps you meet your goals because it's really important to hone in on like why they want to do that or what they want to do with HubSpot. But because it can go in so many directions, like maybe you're not looking to work on ads. So if we put together a plan for you to build your ad campaigns, we're completely missing the mark. So really working with the team to understand where they're looking to go in the next year, five years, and then building out HubSpot in a roadmap to match that. Um, common ways that that, uh, I guess that people reach that conclusion is they see a lot of friction in their process. Um, for example, there's no visibility between marketing and sales um, and which department's working on what or what sales needs for marketing. And there's a huge gap there. That's the most common is misalignment between sales and marketing. Um, and a lot of times um, people encounter this, but they're not aware that they are of a huge gap between marketing sales and customer service. Um, a lot of times organizations are positioned to have before we have a customer and after we have a customer and they don't create a big link between that. Um, So really connecting your marketing team with direct feedback from your account managers and your customer service team to have that full customer life cycle and really uh, powerhouse your inbound marketing because you're able to see like direct customer feedback insights directly from what your customer service team is hearing from your customers.
0: And so I know our agency started. So yeah, I probably am not the best example of why one starts using a HubSpot. I mean, it's, it's fine, but so I don't even know. Back in 2012, we had a blog that we started and today mm-hmm. it's read by over 30,000 people on a monthly basis. And we were doing it through WordPress and it just killed me that everyone on our team, well, first of all, for the first couple of years, it was only me on the team, but not <clears> in, in writing and using this. We had lots of people and I just hadn't figured out yet how to get them to do it that's another story. But uh, it was me, you know, typing in, writing the blogs, putting it out there. And I needed something that was an easier solution where we could actually Mm -hmm. get blogs up and and going. And I wanted to be able to track it. And I wanted to be able to see insights. And I wanted to be able Mm -hmm. to see um, what blogs people were looking at. And I wanted to actually see how many people were reading and and, and just clicking on different landing pages that we put up. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have the ease of Creating a landing page and call to action. Yeah. So, jumped in on HubSpot, I'm like, whoa, this is it. Because literally, I figured our interns even could figure it out because it was an easy mm-hmm. interface yep. versus a lot of the other ones, especially going back about eight years, because there weren't a lot of easy options. SharpSpring mm-hmm. now is an option that's good, and there's mm-hmm. others out there. But, yep. And so, we got in. And then we became this agency that ran our blog on HubSpot, spending a lot of money on it until I realized that, great, now we have a CRM, kind of, that we didn't really use for sales, but it had anyone who had come into our uh, blog world and had downloaded an ebook Mm -hmm. or watched a video and signed one of those awesome CTAs, had their information, not that we were doing anything with it. We could see all this great information about you know, metrics and what was getting traction and what wasn't. But we were missing everything that you're explaining because HubSpot Mm -hmm. is not that friendly as far as educating you, although there's a lot of classes you can take, but not that friendly as far as exactly what you said of if you don't have someone handholding you you kind of lose Mm -hmm. the bells and whistles, you get very Mm -hmm. focused on one thing for me it was blogs. And it took a while for me to like unwind it into seeing that it could be its own CRM. You don't have to use Mm -hmm. Salesforce or it could be something that you could use for ads and so many other things. How Mm -hmm. do you see, like, what are the main ways people
1: use HubSpot that you work with? So for me, we really focus on enterprise clients. So we're working with customers that have 10 million in revenue or more. The majority of our customers have an international presence. Um, So we're working with pretty large companies and- for most of them, they're in secured industries. So, like healthcare is a big segment for us. So, they use Salesforce to store most of their operational info and they have sales and account management in Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, but, healthcare marketers enjoy um, user friendly marketing as well. <laughs> and a lot of the, um, I guess, HIPAA compliant uh, marketing automation tools are really not user friendly. So, finding a way to be able to use HubSpot for that, for a marketing arm is really where we can add value of being able to make it uh, not compliant, but able to make the data flow compliant. So we're keeping the stuff that shouldn't be there out. So our clients are really using it for marketing activation on their sales and account management data in Salesforce. Um, For our all HubSpot clients, they're using the entire suite. So they have a website, sales, marketing service, and they're trying to make their company work off of HubSpot Um, and, I mean, it's really successful once you have a good roadmap of how to get in there. Um, And and I think that what you were talking about of not being super great at walking through all the activation features is really why the HubSpot partner program was created, Um, which like you said, we're a HubSpot partner agency, but HubSpot onboarding is designed to get you in the tool logged in and like aware of the basic goals that you needed to set up. And then the recommendation is to work with a partner agency for activation. Um, So those first three to six months of, okay, now that we're logged in and set up, where do we go from here? What are the best practices? What are the best campaigns that kind of nudging you in the right direction? Um, And that's where the strategic partnership is really helpful Um, because the HubSpot onboarding team is not there to serve like your business's unique goals long-term. They're there to see your initial initiative with HubSpot and get you off the ground. Um, Their onboarding team is amazing, but it's definitely not designed to be like your long-term strategic partner.
0: <clears throat> and what are this when you're working with a client either established or someone new coming to you and it might be easier to say new. Uh, so what are some of their pain points that they're hoping that you can solve for them and that you're able mm-hmm. to?
1: Yeah um, a really common pain point is reporting. <laughs> we don't know what's happening <laughs> or how to build these reports. Um, so insights into what's going on is a big one. Um, another one is automation so, Automation is such an interesting word. Like there's such a negative connotation that comes with it of like, oh, what does automation mean? Does it mean that we're taking away my job? Stuff like that often pops up um, with end users. Um, and then there's the question of how do we start automating? And that's usually the big one. Of We know that automation is the future. We know that's where we're going. So we need to be, but like, how do we start? What's our first step? And so when you look at your entire organizational process and you're like, all right, what in this can be automated? A lot of people just get stuck because there are so many different places that you can start different like an avenues to take to achieve that end goal. So what we can do is say, this is how you start. So we can come in with those quick wins of like, whenever a deal closes, notify this person. That's a really simple use of automation. Or when somebody submits a form, here are the first six emails that you need to send. Um, or when a deal closes, you need to send these five onboarding emails. So what we can really help with is nudging in the right direction of, okay, this is how you get started. Um, Because whenever you're taking on a new big business initiative like that, it's really hard to pick a starting point. And oftentimes they get stuck with, we need a huge plan. Like we need to automate 20 different things and have every step automated. And really, it's best to follow the crawl, walk, run methodology, where you crawl, you get your first email out, (laughs) and then you see how it performs. And in two months, you add a new element, now you're walking and eventually it's fully optimized and you're running. So walking them through that staged methodology rather than having everything all at once. We're not looking for the final optimized version as your v one you just want to get off the ground and start something.
0: And what are some of the mistakes when you start working with someone that you see Mm -hmm. bury into their account and you're like, hmm, (laughs) things that
1: make you go hmm. Yeah. biggest mistake that I see is not getting organizational alignment before you start building. Um, Something that we do with all of our customers when we first start is build a customer journey map um, where we map who your customers are, where you first meet them, how you talk to them, how you convert them, and how you maintain them over time. Um, And that's a huge gap that most organizations miss before implementing marketing automation. Um, So they don't get customer service, marketing, sales, and leadership in a room and agree on This is our customer. This is what they want. This is how we can support them. And without that internal alignment, you have different teams building different things that sometimes disagree, sometimes overlap. And that's where the mistakes come in. Because if you have um, a sales team that builds out a bunch of fields in your CRM or properties um, that are the same as the ones marketing are building out just with different values, you have a CRM that's 50% complete. So sales isn't updating the marketing fields, marketing isn't updating the sales fields, and now we have a disconnect. So if we don't start building from that aligned foundation, um, it's really hard to accomplish what you want to in (laughs) HubSpot. So that's the biggest mistake I see. There's a lot of symptoms of that mistake, but the biggest one is not aligning as a team before you start building.
0: So You're saying step one is actually figuring out your personas at the very, very base.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's usually step one. Even when we come into a client and they've been using HubSpot for years, our first step is, who are your personas? And they share who those are, and then we kind of tear them apart. Um, (laughs) Because oftentimes, uh, personas are seen as a marketing job. Um, Marketing creates the personas, and really, it's an organizational alignment task. Um, And it needs to be data-driven, it needs to be agreed upon across departments. And personas are kind of seen as this fluffy tool that marketing throws together when really they're like a holistic representation of who you're talking to, who you want to talk to, who you don't want to talk to. So we go through and do a data analysis of, okay, of your closed deals in the past year, these are who these people are. So we want to work backwards from there to build lead scoring, to build personas and really work on that first touch of they come in through an ad, marketing nurtures them, they go to sales. So we kind of take it bit by bit and optimize as we go. But when we're done, we have this really like robust built out customer journey map that we can build the rest of HubSpot from. (laughs) So we say, here's your gaps. Here's what we're missing. Here's what we can build. And then it's a really easy visual for the whole company to be working from.
0: And with personas, what is the best way you had to give our listeners advice on creating personas? Because people are like, okay, it's Jack and it's Jill and they like this and they
1: like that, but it's a lot Mm -hmm. more detailed than that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it bubbles up to as far as like the PDF presentations and the graphic design version. But whenever you look at personas, a really great way to look at it is um, the problem that you're solving for people. So if you have three different products, instead of looking at, the vice president, the manager, and the analyst, a lot of times personas are grouped by title. Um, Look at the problem you're solving for them. So if I'm a sales rep and you're offering me an easy way to sell, then that's what I'm looking for from you. But if I'm a manager of people, maybe I'm looking for a better way to track my sales productivity. So instead of targeting a specific title, you look at what do people come to you to solve and you work back from there. So, uh, a really like tactical way to do that in HubSpot is to build a deal segmentation report and an attribution report, um, and look through how specific people came through to your company and look for trends. So one, one demographic thing to do is look at, uh, location, (laughs) where are they in the world or in the country, and then look at their team size, look at how quickly it took them to get through the deal and you can infer their decision-making power, their, uh, eagerness to close um and really factoring in like all of that (laughs) so it's a really data-driven conversation
0: and so once you've had this conversation and you've figured out the data behind it before the pretty pdf and there's jack and jill um, but are there areas that you see that sales and marketing just don't agree on when it comes to modeling who those perfect customers
1: are So I think that the disagreement usually comes from the concept of perfect customers. So whenever you're building out personas, a lot of people go to, this is the ideal of who we want. And really personas are meant to be a representation of the spectrum of who you're talking to. So something that a lot of companies miss is creating negative personas. So yes, we really want to talk to this like executive decision maker, but we're also talking to this analyst that has nothing to do with our company right now. And so you want to build out these personas of who's actually talking to you and who's listening. So you can work backwards to say, okay, if they're this negative persona, how do we educate them or nurture them to be a positive one as they go through um, and m- like mature with your company messaging? Um, so I wouldn't say that there's a huge disagreement between sales and marketing because they kind of own their own piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a disagreement on who are we talking to because marketing sees more of those people than sales, ideally, because if we're using proper lead qualification and lead scoring, sales doesn't ever see the negative personas. So that's why it's really great to have data-driven conversations because then you're saying, well, we're not really disagreeing on anything. This is just kind of like the facts (laughs) of what we're looking at here. And beyond personas,
0: You've had the meeting, you have the perfect positive and negative personas built out. Yeah. What is it then that is kind of the next step to try to dial in HubSpot to make it work for your agency or business yeah. or brand? I leave
1: with agencies, yes. you know, I'm listening here too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once you've built out your personas, um, the it's really important to then build out an infrastructure that can identify them. So if we've defined who our persona is, we need to then figure out, okay, what's our fastest way to figure out who we're talking to? Um, Because you build out your personas in HubSpot. There's a field for that. Um, And then you then say, okay, what makes someone this persona? What's an indicating quality that they should be placed here? And you start to figure out that information and you can kind of build a roadmap for marketing. So if we say, once we know these six things about a person, we can determine their lead score, their likeliness to be a customer and their persona. And so marketing now has these six attributes to figure out. So maybe on our first form, we get their country. On our second form, we get their pain point. On our third form, we do this, or then we send them a video. And if they watch it, they then fall into this category. So we just give marketing a task of figure out these six things before they get to sales. Um, And that's where you can start getting really, uh, really have like valuable personas that are applied in your business whenever you have this tactical approach. Um, So once we've gotten the data to see who is a persona, right, who is a certain persona, we then start creating content for them. So HubSpot CMS is really great smart content um, on your website, landing pages, et cetera. Once HubSpot has the cookie and knows who that person is and we've assigned a persona to them, you can show them specific content when they come to your site. Um, You can deliver specific email nurtures, you can target them with ad campaigns, because if you think about it, if someone has the pain point of, it's really hard for me to create a sales presentation, and you're a sales presentation company, and you know that that's their specific pain point, that's the message you can be delivering them throughout all the channels of how we make it easier for you to create sales presentations, Mm -hmm. but if they're a manager and looking at sales productivity, you can then send that message on all of your channels. So that's how it kind of blends together of building this perfect persona, figuring out how to actually categorize people in that, which is a step that's often missed, um, and then giving them that really specific message.
0: And do you have most of your clients using the CMS versus you know a WordPress website? Or you know, like our agency uses a WordPress website, and then we use HubSpot mm-hmm. for all things landing pages and the blog and the sub a um, lot of sub uh, types of websites. Uh, but how do yeah. you also,
1: I mean, especially with 10 million plus in sales, Yeah, it's a whole different. So we suggest HubSpot CMS. Uh, we use it ourselves and know how uh, easy it is, user-friendly it is, and how much data it can give you. Um, but actually most of our clients are on WordPress. Um, I speak negatively of WordPress, but we highly prefer HubSpot CMS. Um, and there are ways to hack it with WordPress to get data into HubSpot, but the insights are just not, comparable to what you can get from the native HubSpot CMS. Um, I would say that the majority are on WordPress and the ones that are not on WordPress or HubSpot CMS have custom built, custom hosted websites um, because they are more uh, heavy infrastructure with healthcare data. So they're not really on either of those. And it's all about compliance at that point.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then what's the step after that? And, you know, I know you guys are, is it okay? Unleash it to your sales and marketing team, load it with people, load it with contacts or what's Mm -hmm. the next
1: step? Yeah. The next step is really thoughtful growth. So, uh, one of the worst things to track in my opinion is the volume. Um, uh, like we don't really want to look at how many leads we're generating. We want to look at how many marketing qualified leads we're generating or how many sales qualified, and how many are converting. Um, the HubSpot lifecycle stages tool is absolutely incredible. Um, not tool, but field property mechanism. They um, if you're not familiar, HubSpot lifecycle stages track from subscriber to lead to marketing qualified to sales qualified opportunity to deal um, or to customer. And Similar to how you can look at deal stage conversion, you can look at contact conversion. So you can build reports that say, of all the leads we get, this is how many customers get we get. And so using that lifecycle stage funnel uh, report, you're really able to see how your customers move, how effective your efforts are. And now that we're using these like specific lifecycle stages of this is when it becomes a marketing qualified lead, this is when it goes to sales, um, we can see the efficacy of what we've built. So if we have a high conversion rate <clears throat> what we're doing is working. <laughs> if we don't then we need to optimize. So once you have the foundation laid and you know what your next steps are you start building content to complement it and see how that's impacting your funnel report. So if your conversion's going up you're doing well if you're going down it's we need some optimization.
0: Okay. And then I might
1: as well just say and then what? <laughs> <laughs> um Reporting. (laughs) So once you have your initial setup going, you want to do reporting and you want customer feedback. Um, a lot of organizations that are smaller often think that we don't need a a tool for customer feedback or to be collecting that. Oh you do. You 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 need to figure out
0: the reporting. (laughs) You do. Oh,
1: you do. (laughs) You need to be reporting, you need to be asking for feedback. Um, I don't want to say as often as possible because we don't want to be harassing, but at key decision points. So When somebody closes, you need to be asking for their feedback. If you have an issue with the customer and you've submitted a support case, you need to get their feedback. How do we manage that? Do you feel good? Would you still recommend us? So that's really the next step is finding ways to collect feedback throughout this. So even during your marketing process, if you showed them a video, thumbs up, thumbs down, did you like it? So that's kind of the next stage in the maturity model for me is putting in customer feedback touch points. Um, Because we want to know, do our customers like what we're doing? Are we resonating with them? Are they happy? Um, Because once you put all of this out there, even if it's built on data and you feel confident that you know what you're doing, if your customers are not liking it, resonating it, feeling heard or serviced, then it's ultimately failing. (laughs) So once you've designed it with data, you then need to test it with customer feedback.
0: And now HubSpot has some nifty tools, so they have emails that you do within, you know, if you're in Salesforce, it's a little different, but if you're using the HubSpot CRM, and I'm just speaking mm-hmm. from my own experience, and you can dive into how yeah. Salesforce works as well, but you can, you send out emails, right? So your emails go out, it can connect to your desktop, mm-hmm. goes out, you send it away, it tracks who opens it, who replies, everything mm-hmm. else you can also set people up on email sequences. And this is where mm-hmm. you send them an email and then they don't respond to you. So you send them another email. We've all had this happen to us. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Are there best practices here so you don't bug the everlasting heck out of the people that you are enrolling in an email sequence?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the best practice there is to enroll people in sequences that talk to you first. Um, something that I personally, it's like my hill to die on is not using purchase or scraped lists. Um, one, it's against the HubSpot user acceptance policy, however, or acceptable use policy, but also it's just not a great user experience. So whatever you use a sequence with someone who expects to be there, you're not going to have a negative response. Like if they came into your website and they say, yeah, contact me and you email them three times, they know that they asked you to do that. Um, If you found their list online and put them in a sequence, I wouldn't recommend doing that because you're creating a negative brand impression um, and that's when people get frustrated. So the best way to not annoy people is to make sure that you have consent to contact them first and then follow up with content that like addresses the need they came to you for. So if I come, if somebody comes to my website and says that they want information about personas and I just like badger them with information about sales automation, I've kind of missed the mark with them. So make sure your content's relevant and that you have like consent to send it.
0: <laughs> okay. And, and consent is a good thing versus getting people who mm-hmm. just say unenroll, unenroll, unenroll me. You yep. suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is what you're kind of opening the door up to. Yes. And then what are some other nifty things that you do when you're working with your team, like with Salesforce as an example, how
1: does that
0: blend? Because Salesforce is a beast on its own.
1: hmm yeah. So the best, the HubSpot, like Salesforce integration is a super native, easy to use integration um, if you have a thing out of the box. So if you're using standard Salesforce objects and, like, I would want to say, like, vanilla HubSpot setup, you can turn it on and run with it. Um, if you're doing anything more complicated than that, it's really helpful to have a roadmap. So something that I always do when looking at the HubSpot Salesforce integration is give each system a job. So sometimes people want to use Salesforce as a data repository and do marketing and sales at HubSpot or marketing and HubSpot, sales and Salesforce, however you want to dice it. We do job, job descriptions. So HubSpot's job description is to send emails, manage our ad activity, et cetera. And Salesforce's job is to facilitate our sales conversations onboard and manage clients, et cetera. So it seems kind of silly to give a system a job description but that's the best way to divide that line internally. And then from there, you kind of match your automation to your system. So if I'm using those two systems, but I wanna do task automation for different things that customers would do, if my sales team is in Salesforce, my automation is in Salesforce. So that's the the best advice I have at a high level for managing those two systems is really divide roles and responsibilities by system and stick to it. because you want to be automating in the system you're using tasks for reason being that we wouldn't want to put sales task automation in HubSpot. If we're using Salesforce is if you're only using HubSpot for marketing, you may change the marketing tool you're using down the road. And if you've built all the automation that's backing your people in Salesforce in HubSpot, you then have to move that to Salesforce or re- like redo it in your new marketing system. And so it's best to just make sure you know what system's doing what because whenever you're using two tools that have a CRM as the backbone, it can get kind of muddled. Um, And there's also a few things that you need to like, you can check out our blog, but whenever you're integrating those two systems, there's a lot of like field things that you need to make sure that you're making yourself aware of because there's leads and contacts and Salesforce and contacts and HubSpot. So like their default data model is a little bit different. So you need to solve for that in the integration too, to make sure that just your data does not get messed up.
0: Well, you set it up as a perfect blog here. So you said you can check out our blog. How can people check out your blog? How can they check out your agency?
1: Yeah, we're at coastalconsulting.co, not .com, .co. And you can go online, LinkedIn, Facebook. We're very active on the internet (laughs) as a whole. But uh, on our website, we have our blog. We also have a lot of really helpful resources. resources. Um, Our agency very much believes in lifelong learning and we're big on knowledge sharing. So we don't really have much gated content. We're pretty transparent about new things we're learning from clients, new solutions we're learning, new features HubSpot's releasing. Um, for example, recently they've released the beta test for automatic enrollment and sequences using the workflow tool rather than manually enrolling one contact at a time. What a blessing. Which which is a huge development. Um, so we've gotten a few of our clients into that beta test, <clears throat> which is exciting. Um, and you can hear about new stuff like that in our blog. And I will randomly get into really uh, creative moods and create eight Salesforce blogs in a day. So <laughs> I'm trying to share as much knowledge as I have with our, all of our subscribers. And that's good. That's the whole thing about, I mean,
0: yeah. I think the biggest thing that our listeners still need to take away with tools like HubSpot is that it's for inbound marketing. You have to have mm-hmm. content to get yes. the inbound traffic. You have to write blogs, yes. have ebooks, have videos, have something that you are actually getting people who also are lifelong learners or just want to make mm-hmm. sure that they solve whatever their boss has challenged them with as <laughs> a yeah. new thing that they need to solve. Um, you have to have that content creation uh, mm-hmm. just become part of your overall brand.:
1: Absolutely. And it, it's not just content creation, it's content distribution. Um, which is a big part that people miss of, oh, I created this blog post and now it's out there, but it's really the distribution channels of a blog post can be a a thread on Twitter, it can be a video, it can be a few snippets, it can be a social post. So really repurposing your content and driving it throughout all different channels. HubSpot really enables that with their social scheduling tool, their blog, their ads, um, all of that. So like when we do a blog, I'll put it on my personal Twitter and LinkedIn and make sure that I'm sharing that content in different ways. Um, because you definitely have, it's easier to click share to multiple networks than it is to keep creating more blog posts. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you're getting the most life out of your content too.
0: Yeah. And your content, once it's gone out and alive once on your social, that doesn't mean you can't revisit. It's not like if yep. someone, if someone's not on your Twitter page at that exact moment that you're putting this out, yeah. they're not going to find it from 30 yeah. days, 90 <laughs> days, two years ago, if it's still relevant. Mm-hmm. So you want to keep on breathing life into your content as well.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: Are there any other, you know, last, you know, couple of things of ways that people could be working better on marketing automation and using mm-hmm. these different CRM tools and tasks that they might be missing out on?
1: Yeah, Um Biggest advice is to standardize where you can. Um, If you have a sales team of 20 and all of them follow their own process, it's going to be really hard to get alignment and automate as a team. So working with sales to understand what we normally do is interviews. So interview five different people in different countries and figure out what their flow is and work on creating a process. So from start to finish, this is how we manage sales. This is how we manage onboarding and build those processes. Um, because standardization naturally breeds automation. So (laughs) if you can do that, you can really enable your sales team and uh, get your sales team to do the work of four people while not overworking themselves (laughs) through using automation. Um, And uh, listen to your customers. Um, A a lot of people will start a workflow of emails being delivered and never check back up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Use workflow goals, look at how it's performing, um, look at your open rates and your click-through rates and make sure that you're giving content that's like valuable (laughs) and not driving customers away, but instead encouraging them to listen to you more. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Customer feedback is really the heart of marketing automation. You need to make sure that you're in tune to what they want and you're not harassing them with 20 emails a week. And you're also not only talking to them every four months. They don't remember you. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Well,
0: Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. I just learned some things and I'm going to make sure my entire team who's in charge of working and touching HubSpot listens to this specific podcast because I think you brought up some really, really relevant points. So greatly appreciate all of your insights that you just provided to our listeners and my team today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. Check out our weekly blogs at blog.hollywoodbranded.com to stay up to date on all things marketing, business, and pop culture. Subscribe and join over 30,000 readers who are already in the know.